Welcome back to a very special Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Thank you, Sensei Matt. (laughs) Cobra Kai never dies, baby. Yes, today we are doing a spoiler cast for season one and two of Cobra Kai, which is currently available on Netflix. Previously was available on YouTube red or YouTube premium or whatever the hell that was. Um, (laughs) So, uh, but now available on Netflix for everyone to watch Um, a season three will be released on January 8th, I believe 2021. Um, It is, uh, I mean, created by wait, um, Robert Josh, yeah, Josh Heald, John Hurwitz, Hayden Schlossberg, uh, uh, based on the Karate Kid by Robert Markham, and um, it is a sequel to the Karate Kid films, uh, thirty-four years after the original. Um, man, Eric and I, um, we're bad with TV. You guys all know this if you listen to our other shows, Untitled Movie Podcast, Untitled Movie Conversations. Go check them out. Um, this will be a little bit different because we usually on this channel, we just you know review a new release film. We do the spoiler cast once in a while. We usually do it for things like Marvel movies or Star Wars. But um, this show, Eric, and I'll give a shout out to Nick Scarpino, who you guys can check out uh, on Untitled Movie Conversations. We did a fantastic interview with him. Um, Nick Scarpino was talking about Cobra Kai before anyone I knew uh, was talking about Cobra Kai when it was originally on YouTube, which no one wanted to watch an original TV show on YouTube. Um, But I know a lot of people really loved Cobra Kai back when it was on YouTube and and Nick always talked about it and no one believed him that it was good. Um, (laughs) At least people who listened to the show and and would make fun of him at at kind of funny. And we had him on the show, I think even referenced because we brought up that we're doing Karate Kid in review over at kind of funny. And, uh, he talked about Cobra Kai a little bit. And, um, so to follow along with their in review series, I'm like, all right, I, I personally don't think I'd ever sat and watched the entire karate kid movie. Like the first one I knew of it, my and pop culture references and things like that. Yeah. My frame of reference for karate kid was the reference in the teenage mutant Ninja turtles movie Uh, in the nineties. Excuse me. Um, Also the brisk Lipton ice tea. Sure. Yeah, but mine was mostly Ninja Turtles from the early 90s, the wax on, wax off, uh, Michelangelo. Um, So I think I'd seen bits and pieces. I might have seen the movie when I was really young, but like I didn't retain much of it. Um, So I last weekend, Eric, I watched all four Karate Kid movies of the original continuity. I didn't watch the Jaden Smith, like uh, Jackie Chan, uh, Jackie Chan uh, remake. Although Will Smith um, is an executive producer on the series, because it doesn't mean anything got, really. No, but. I'm assuming it's just because they got the rights to the franchise when his son did that movie because yeah. his production company, I think, helped out with it. Um, anyways, what's your frame of reference for Karate Kid? Like, Well, I, I think we have to go back a little further than that. I think we have to go back Rocky. to Rocky because <laughs> yeah. essentially, you know, John G. Avelson, the director of the first Rocky movie and uh, the, the fifth the first Rock- Karate Kid and well, the fifth Rocky all film. Three. Well, yeah, I was, I was yeah. starting with Rocky first here, but basically took that formula, the underdog story of you know somebody that is looked on upon as meek or in Rocky's case kind of a bum and you know is not going to amount to anything and then surprises people by you know pushing himself to the ultimate limit and even though 
Rocky doesn't win at the end of the first Rocky movie. Spoiler alert. It doesn't matter. He proved to himself and everyone around him that he was capable of going the distance. Cut to 1984 when John G. Avelson is directing the karate kid very similar premise with Danny LaRusso being you know picked on by bullies at high school um and he befriends Mr. Miyagi who teaches him the as Matt already mentioned wax on wax off but memory mess uh muscle specifically to kind of you know teach him the ways of karate and to be more confident in himself and at the end of the day, he wins. You know, that was the the one difference between Rocky and the Karate Kid. You know, like, it would be fascinating to think, like, what happens if they just kind of did, like, a legitimately straightforward adaptation of Rocky, but for the Karate Kid, and he lost at the end. But the end uh, with him winning and that final freeze frame, I mean, that kind of sums up the 80s perfectly, right? You know, um, down to the soundtrack. And then from there, that the success of those movies were were huge i loved the first one as a kid like it was a nostalgic kind of thing for me like i remember watching it a lot on tv when it was on cable and things like that and like the soundtrack was always kind of a big deal like you're the best around was like the, yeah like the song and i and again it's been parody. each one of the first three movies has banger songs right right and this show too and it's been parodied so much like from the crane stance to like again like you're the best around like i think the last time i heard it sort of used in a kind of like ironic way was in an episode of south park um but yeah like that first movie is so much fun and means a lot to people that grew up you know throughout the 80s into the early 90s and somehow this (laughs) like the rocky movies but even more so you know generated uh four sequels you know in in, in total um yeah. not, not including the remake and then you have you know rocky two and three which has ralph macchio returning and then the fourth one being the next karate pro- kid you mean you said rocky rocky well, exactly yeah. <laughs> so rocky uh, uh the karate kid but then you have the next Karate Kid, which was one of Hilary Swank's kind of first leading roles in a movie, she popped up in smaller supporting parts in movies like you know Buffy the Vampire Slayer and things like that. Um, it's and that movie is is terrible. And Matt, I mean, I haven't watched these films for a little oh while God, now, yeah. but they kind of all blurred together, and they're basically yeah. the same film. The only thing I really retained from part two is that they go to Japan and then it also takes place right after the tournament uh, yeah. where it becomes a parking lot fight with uh, yeah. Sensei Kreese and Mr. Miyagi. So yeah, and William Zabka's Johnny Lawrence gets kind of like um, uh, assaulted by uh, John Kreese and like you get a little bit of the epilogue from the first movie before, you know, um, LaRusso and Miyagi head over to Japan, to which learn, the Rocky you know. movies did as yeah. well. Like they, some of them picked up like right after, yeah. you know, where oh, they and the montages, off. dude. The second and yeah. third movies start with like a f- ten minute montage of the f- first movie, and then the third movie is a combo of the two movies, and it, it's incredible. And like, I mean, the first movie I think is legitimately fun for like a kids version of Rocky or like a teen version of Rocky. Um watching all of these for the first time like i enjoyed each one of them to a certain degree like i uh, i'd say the first one's a legitimately solid and and fun rocky kind of adjacent movie um and then the second one felt fairly pointless you get a little bit of backstory with miyagi you get uh, a, a wicked uh, fight to the death at the end <laughs> which is just when those the that's when you start to see the seeds 
being planted for what this franchise is going to kind of become. And I appreciate it for that reason. It's almost the too fast, too furious or the like Tokyo drift of, uh, of this franchise. And I will be comparing, you know, Cobra Kai to fast and furious when we get into it. Um, and I just, the third one is very much a repeat of the first movie. Just even more ridiculous. You got, um, what's the bad guy's name? He's like a fucking, uh, like nuclear waste salesman or some shit. And it's just like, it's so stupid. And crease comes back and he needs to get revenge on, uh, LaRusso. And it's just so dumb. And then the next karate kid with Hillary Swank is awful. It's just really bad. Um, so the first three I think are, are, you know, fun, but you know, two and three are kind of unnecessary, but as you'll see, as we get into talking about the show and as we, uh, in season two, and then what looks like what's coming in season three, like they just found ways to sprinkle in some of the nonsense from two and three into these, mo- uh, into the show. And I, I, I love it for that reason. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I binged all, all, all four movies on the weekend and that leads into, uh, Cobra Kai. And then uh, season three is coming out. Um, I started watching it because I wanted to follow along with the kind of funny guys. Didn't I, I knew people enjoyed it. Like I heard good things. Um, and I liked the Karate Kid movies, but I don't say I wouldn't say the, that first three movies. I was like, oh, fuck, this is incredible. Like, I, I'm so into this franchise. I don't think anybody um, did. No. And that's what I mean. They were fun. So I start Cobra Kai and within like the first, so everyone, uh, please, this is going to be a spoiler cast of Cobra Kai. Like we mentioned, it says it in the title of this episode. Um, so if you haven't watched Cobra Kai and if you haven't watched the Karate Kid movies at all, or for a long time, I highly suggest you go watch the first one at least. And then maybe the opening of the second one, I would suggest to watch all three if you have the time and patience to do that. Um, but at least watch the first one and then the opening. You could probably watch the opening to number two on YouTube or something like that um, before you start Cobra Kai. And by all means, please do not listen to this if you have not watched Cobra Kai because you need to go in as blind as possible and just take this show in uh, without knowing anything about it um, because it is truly uh, a work of art. And um, I love <laughs> I. Uh, I love every second of it. So Eric, I don't know where you want to start because like I kept texting you and I was like, Eric, this show is incredible. You need to watch it. And you, me and you aren't big TV guys. We take forever. I mean, even with this show, it took us, you know, two years after. Yeah. But I think we should also mention like, at least for me, I don't know how you felt about it. I just kind of, kind of, you know, passed this off completely or wrote it off completely because of the YouTube red thing. Like I yeah, just thought I it was so a same, joke, yeah. right? And like, I thought oh, it was going to be really cheap. I yeah. thought it was going to be like a funnier die skit or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. like an online YouTube skit. And I was like, there's going to be no production value. All the actors are going to be terrible. Um, and it's just going to be like cheesy, but maybe kind of fun. Um, and boy, I was cheesy and great. (laughs) Oh, it is. It's fantastic. So I kept texting Eric and I was like, you got to watch this. Um, I watched the first two seasons in three days. I think I watched almost like five episodes, uh, five episodes. And then I watched, or it might've taken me four days. I did them in like big chunks. I watched seven episodes and I watched three episodes. So it was like two days almost or three days. Um, and I couldn't stop watching it. It's so addicting and it's so much fun. And it's just, I can't believe 
they took this movie that is just kind of this rocky, you know, rip off kind of thing and turned it into whatever this show is. <laughs> and, right. Uh, it's so addicting. And then you went and you're like, all right, I'm going to start it. And then I got a text from you the next day. You're like, I'm on season two, episode four. <laughs> like, how the hell are you? You're like, you were like me where you just couldn't stop watching it, right? No, I had to, I had to literally like stop myself at that episode because it's like, okay, I, I still have four more episodes to go. I need to take one. I need to take a break. And two, like, it's just like, you want to have some leftover, you know, to, to come I know, back I'm pissed to, that right? I have to wait for season three now. Right. But, but that's the thing. It's like, it, it's, it's fascinating to just talk about this from the point of view of like, adapting a, you know an 80s sports action series and turning it into essentially like its own weird version of Twin Peaks the Return because like <laughs> even well even um William Zabka kind of reminds me a little bit like his performance reminds me a little bit of um Dana Ashbrook as Bobby in Twin Peaks where like Bobby in that in the original Twin Peaks series is a guy who's like you know this kind of bully mean-spirited kind of individual who always gets in trouble with the law and you know, seems like a guy that's just going nowhere fast. Zapka's character, Johnny Lawrence, seems exactly the same. And then, yeah. you know, years go by and you're reintroduced to him now as this kind of bum living on the outskirts of LA and, you know, just living in the shadow of his glory days in high school, somebody who peaked too early and, you know, blames everything on Daniel Losing LaRusso. That karate, the Ace Valley. Yeah, karate. it defined his whole, it's defined karate. his whole life. And every yeah. everything since then has been just this, you know, slippery slope into depression and, you know, misery and he's alcoholism. Just doing alcoholism and he's doing odd jobs here and there to kind of sustain, you know, something of a life. And, you know, he has a, a strange son and uh, an ex-wife a strange and father a strange father played by ed astner <laughs> yeah fantastic stepfather we should say stepfather, oh, yeah, sorry, um, stepfather yeah. his mother passed away which was you know something that really hit him quite hard as well the dogs are agreeing with me <laughs> um but it's something that like when you're when you're watching it it's like the first episode i would say kind of felt like the most predictable in terms of kind of like getting you back into the world of Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid because this yeah. does not take place in the real world. I want to mention this right no, now. Like, no. like you already mentioned, this is this is the Fast and the Furious style, you know, of of melodrama. It's machismo melodrama. Like it's soap operas for guys, quote unquote. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but, but it's it's more inclusive than that, obviously. But yes, but but that's kind of what it felt like to me, especially when you're watching the first few episodes. But I think what's interesting about that first episode is that it is, you know, very much open to just using clips from the entire series to reference because one, it knows that not everybody has seen it because it seems like this target audience or what they're going for is a younger audience now, you know, like for, for the teenagers that probably didn't grow up with it, that their parents yeah, did. But I think they're also hitting those people like Nick and like us who, yeah. you know, either grew up with it or we're doing or the Rocky it. thing as well. Yeah. Right. Like I know you, you were talking about it and I think Nick was as well that, this was this kind of reminded you like what you know uh creed is to rocky i disagree i think that this is closer to rocky balboa than it is creed because rocky balboa did a very similar thing where throughout the entire movie you would be hanging out with sly stallone's rocky and 
there would be these flashbacks to certain scenes, whether he'd be looking at an old restaurant or a gym or, you know, somewhere and remembering certain things about, you know, his relationship and, and his relationship to the, you know, the community, to his wife, to reminiscing. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And like, and that's what also, this kind of reminds yeah. me of quite a bit where like, it's there. It, it's not like Creed's to me feels like it's, Back, it brings it back to the real world because you look at Rocky Four and you look at Creed. Rocky Four is like this time capsule of the 1980s. You want to show somebody what the 80s was like, you show them Rocky Four. But then you watch Creed and you're like, like the Quentin Tarantino thing. It's like Creed is like the characters in Creed would watch Rocky Four. Sure, and yeah. that's kind of what yeah, I Rocky felt. Rocky Four was based on the real events of the first Rocky movie. Yeah, that isn't actually a real thing that. But happened. saying that, I like how they stripped down Johnny Lawrence, and I and, and I think it's, that like, and again, I don't want to compare. It's it tragic to and it's funny though at times yeah. too. And- but it almost has like this weird like Breaking Bad quality to it as well, where it's almost like he's like an anti-hero in a weird way because like, yes. I can I can see the pitch of this from the writers and the creators being like, okay, what happened if like, what if Johnny Lawrence trained Daniel LaRusso? What would happen? Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of like maybe the, the gestation of the idea. Right. You know, and then it grows from there and you get this (laughs) expanded universe in the karate kid kind of, you know, saga is incredible. Like to focus on such a simple idea, like you said, of like, what will be the juxtaposition of if Johnny Lawrence is Mr. Miyagi and like, and that's essentially what it is. And then it just grows and grows. And I am flabbergasted with like the character development, the reveals, the twists, the action sequences, um, the sugarfish, the sugarfish references, just like these absolutely insane moments, and just like the you know, and the the relationship between you know Daniel Larusso and Johnny Lawrence now, and how they involve their children in such a way that feels so obvious of how you would take this story to the next thing, but works so perfectly. Um, and I just I'm always surprised at like if people like um hawk like there's a kid in the show where the first couple episodes i think they do such a fucking good job with his character um eli is the character's name and he's this kind of meek kid he has a uh uh uh, not a cleft lip but he has like a scar on his lip that's kind of a reminiscence of a cleft lip and um he's you know bullied for it and he doesn't talk much and um this show is just incredible of like that simple thing of saying what if johnny lawrence was mr miyagi to this one kid who is um uh, Miguel Diaz is the kid's name and he's kind of being bullied. Johnny Lawrence kind of sees him being bullied. And uh, even in the reveals of Johnny's past, I think is actually kind of weirdly, um, interesting in giving him the character depth and, and recontextualizing, you know, the events of those movies and, and things like that, which you just are not expecting. And then how they play into like, okay, well now Johnny Lawrence is the guy who's going to basically take all these kids and he's teaching them, um, you know, he reopens Cobra Kai and he's, he's teaching him the way of Cobra Kai and turning them to fight back and say, you need to stick up to these bullies. Um, but then essentially turning them all into the villains. And it's just, the, the it's and he's so, not trying to as well. No, like he's, he is trying like, to learn from his mistakes and trying to figure out his own way of sort of adjusting. I mean, like by the end of the second season, he, he talks to them and says like, you know, Cobra Kai should live in the gray zone. Right. Yeah, like, and, and, and that's, and that goes back to the, 
Star Wars thing too. And I think again, going back to kind of funny, I got to give them the credit uh, for, for getting me into this. I think Tim, Tim put it perfectly saying that like, this is like what the Star Wars sequels should have been doing with like involving family lineage and, you know, the dark side training, the light side and the twists of the light side going to the dark side and like all of this stuff. And going back to Eli's character of Hawk, he's just this meek kid who doesn't say anything in like the first three or four episodes. And then like halfway through the season, he has this fucking awesome moment and it completely changes the character. And it's just, and then he essentially becomes this like mainstay on the show for the rest of the series. And just seeing his, each character has so much, development weirdly in just these two seasons that is silly and 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 is ridiculous and like you said none of this takes place in the real world this is a world where karate solves everything right and like it's so ridiculous but then is weirdly heartfelt at times and feels very sincere and genuine in like some of the character moments in the beats whether it's like a father-son moment or um you know going into johnny lawrence's addiction or his backstory of how he was kind of um, bullied as as a kid and had and he went to Cobra Kai to kind of get over that and that's what he's kind of trying to teach these kids and then going into just seeing where Daniel LaRusso is in his life being a car salesman which is just so perfect and just he like kicks the, the competition yeah and just even like smaller characters um like uh, his wife in the show where she's played very straight where she's just like, what the fuck is happening? Like basically like she is the real world person and everything else surrounding her. She's like, what, how you're dueling karate dojos and how that like each character, I feel like gets its moments and they place such perfect juxtaposition between, you know, uh, Miyagi do and the Daniel LaRusso side and Cobra Kai. And they set up these characters to be kind of these mirror opposites of each other of the good and the 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 dark and the light and then they it perfectly pays off by the end of both season one and season two with the different storylines going on where you have these characters who are all pitted off against each other and you know it's that's why they're there that you know that's why they're introduced like it's both surprising and predictable at the same time. But then when those moments happen, I was literally like cheering at my TV. So in the first season, it's all about, uh, you know, um, uh, Johnny Lawrence training uh, Miguel who's bullied at school and, and kind of again, meek and quiet and things like that. And then you find out Lawrence's son, um, Robbie, uh, Robbie, um, is kind of getting into trouble and he's kind of estranged from his dad and he lives with his mom and his mom's always off with different men and, and an alcoholic. Yeah. And and you find out that like and then Daniel LaRusso starts training Johnny Lawrence's son. He starts training Robbie. And it's just it's so fucking perfect. And then there's like they hint in the first season of his daughter, Amanda, who used to train with him. And like the way that even plays out, where she's just kind of like, you know, she's around in the first season and she's an integral part, but like there's a there's a romance between her and Miguel Miguel, specifically, but then it becomes this weird love triangle, but also on top of all that with 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 Robbie kind of being involved. But it adds like this weird like Romeo and Juliet style kind of thing because you have the LaRussos and Lawrence. Like they can never be together because they're enemies. They're sworn enemies. It's so stupid. It's so (laughs) stupid. And like these guys who just can't put this thing past them that happened 34 years ago. Right. And like even that first moment when he sees uh, LaRusso at the car dealership and LaRusso does kind of like play it off as like, ah, that was so long ago. Who cares? But you know, it's affected. Uh, Johnny so much that he just can't 
like can't even be in the same room as this guy. And the way that that progresses through the series as well, where there's so many moments where you're like, Ooh, I just kind of want them to be friends. But then there's something that comes in the way where their like rivalry just comes back. And it's just this vicious cycle of them, like almost becoming friends and putting it behind them. But then something coming in the way of just completely going, no, now it's now we got to fucking kill each other. And you know, it's, it's building to them having to team up, right? Oh yeah. That's what season three has got to be right. Yeah. Or season four. Um, Like it's going to be them taking on crease or something like that. And then you bring in crease. So like at, so essentially the first season, like dad, yeah, I I I thought the first season was so perfectly paced and setting up this world and having like I said the the opposite Mr. Miyagi moments of like Johnny Lawrence uh, training Miguel and just being an asshole and and you know sort of a misogynist and an alcoholic but like in a weirdly like you said like you're kind of cheering for him in an anti-hero way like it's almost like he just doesn't know better and he just needs someone to be like and Miguel is that kind of person who's like hey maybe we we do let you know, women in Cobra Kai. Yeah, he's the sweet kid who sees something in Johnny that nobody else does. And that that relationship, I absolutely love in this show. Like, I think think the best, the strongest stuff, emotionally speaking, and it's not like great acting or anything like that, but are the one-on-ones. And I think like William Zapka is actually really, really good in the performance that he's giving here as, you know, an older kind of, out of touch version of of Johnny and you see this guy trying as the series progresses to find his own way and to teach these kids the stuff that he learned and he knows but at the same time without it being you know an all or nothing kind of thing and no mercy without any compassion and like you see him growing as a person which i find really interesting and i i'd also like seeing Ralph Macchio seeing some of the the flaws of 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 Daniel coming out when Cobra Kai is you know starting up again you know and like seeing yeah, like there the is kind of using his money like yeah. yeah and like like yeah so he uses his money to try to like he's not really going to you know rent the space for a car dealership where where the 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 dojo is but he is you know, he he basically ups the rent in in this you know strip mall, and he, he manipulates the uh, landlord into raising the rate. Rent who was so Borat's and, uh, manager yeah, in, in yeah. the first Borat movie? But and but yes, yeah, try and fuck Johnny over just because he's he's kind of pissed at him for reopening Cobra Kai. Yeah, and he's not thinking about the other tenants that are are there because they're going to have to pay double the rent as well. And this is where again, you know, his his wife comes in where she's like. She's the voice of reason in this yeah. show. And I always like when and she's she, living in the real world and not this like well, karate. She's world. also somebody that's willing to kind of, you know, call him out on his bullshit. Call him out, but also kind of extend the grapevine to other people. Like she's the one that actually will be nice or friendly to people like Robbie and uh Johnny and like just try to be at least courteous you know and and not kind of com- be completely shut off so that I found really fascinating in in that relationship as well and like it's just again you know it's it's so corny and so over the top and like when it breaks out into fights and it's like this world like again fast and the furious is all about like solving your problems with fast cars and you know like this is solving everything with karate and like there are some moments where it's like the comedic beats maybe are a little too cheesy but then sometimes it kind of weirdly works where like 
uh, the the Paul Walter Hauser character in the second season. In the yeah. second season, like especially Stingray, in, <laughs> Stingray especially in the last episode when he's trying to oh become God, yeah. the security guard. We'll it's like, oh there. great, we'll like that's it. Like, but but you know what I'm saying? Like that. Like at first you think like, oh, that's playing as a joke, and it is. But then how it's used in that final like it is incredible. Piece. Yeah, it's great. And then that's what the whole series I think is about. And it's just it's something that like almost shouldn't work. And you kind of like put up with you know some of the people i I was talking to you before you started watching i'm like you can tell that you know i mean i think uh uh, machio and and zabka are actually quite good i think machio is a little bit more rough around the edges than maybe even william zabka is he feels a little bit more naturalness where i felt like in the original ralph machio as a as a child actor was actually uh quite natural sounding and now uh, obviously these guys haven't really acted all that much um, since the Karate Kid, they've popped up here and there in certain things, but like the show is scattered with some, you know, appearances from people from the movies and things like that. So there are some people who are, and some of the kid actors are a little bit rough around the edges too, but it plays into that melodrama of like that fast and the furious style thing where you just can't help, but like being all in on it, even though it is kind of cheesy or bad, um, in the sense, but then there are genuinely sweet moments. Like I keep saying, or genuinely like insane moments that are, and that's much like the fast and the furious where you're like, this is just so much fun. All of that other stuff that I could kind of criticize, I just don't care about because it's addicting and it's fun and it's silly. But then I'm also like, wait, am I weirdly emotional at this moment? Or like you said, like, do I genuinely care about these relationships? And I'm like, I kind of do. And like, um, to, find, super, to see Miguel go to the dark side, I think is like is, that was the one point where he's like, "Oh no, this this really good kid has been truly corrupted by you know Johnny." And Johnny yeah. was trying to make an effort to do something different with. But to you your know, point then, of bringing Crease in at the end yeah. of season one, so essentially the first season was fucking. I just thought it was pretty classic, but uh, was still a lot of fun. And you you built up to them going to the it's Ace Valley, right? The Ace Valley Karate Tournament yeah, is that yeah, the, yeah. or North Valley. Um, no, I forget. Uh, let me go. Well, let's it. look this uh, up. Yeah. Um, all Valley. Sorry. All Valley. We all were both Valley, wrong. All Valley under 18 karate championship. They bring it. They essentially uh, enter their two dojos. Uh, uh, LaRusso um, basically, uh, uh, he doesn't officially open his own dojo, but he trains Robbie a lot in the first season. And it's all leading up to Robbie essentially just wanted to get revenge on his dad by pissing him off by going to work for LaRusso. And I even love that. That's just like, I'm just going to tell my dad, fuck you, you know, rebelling against your father. Like I'm going to go work for your mortal enemy. And then how that kind of naturally progresses into him kind of training him because, um, uh, Daniel kind of gets back into training into karate because of everything going on with Cobra Kai. And he's just reconnecting with, you know, this part of him that he left behind because he started, you know, this family and he trained with his daughter when she was younger, but as she got older, she wasn't as interested in it. And, and when I just he's tra- like- we should also mention when he's training Robbie LaRusso, he doesn't know at first that, uh, Robbie is right. Johnny's right. son. Yeah. He just thinks it's this kid who started at his, uh, dealership. That's kind of, you know, um, you know, he's getting not even picked on, but he's getting like, uh, uh, by the other people at he, you could tell that he's just a kid who, who needed something. And he just you found, you know, I can help this kid out. And he showed an interest in karate when no one else around him was. So Daniel's like, yeah, come train with me. And then how that kind of progresses and those reveals and like leading up to this tournament and how that even progresses that I think is way better than even in the first karate kid movie, because I feel like that karate tournament's over so quickly kind of thing that, 
this really kind of just it does such a great job at taking these moments that yeah again shouldn't be big or or they're kind of just silly but they make them incredibly like hype and like so this whole tournament and that goes back to like the the character development and like having this ensemble of both these you know teenagers in high school and these adults and and basically led by you know uh daniel and, and johnny training these two dojos when we get into the second season but even at the end of the first where you go to the all valley and you just know it's going to end up as diaz versus robbie and it's just but the way that you get there and then that like i mentioned with hawk and seeing his progression for through the first season and um and how that kind of uh is set up and planting the seeds for some of the events in the second season and then um having or bringing in tori as well like that's such a like that's such a classic like you know, '90s melodrama thing. It's like, well, we need, uh, you know, an arch nemesis for one of the main characters, so we're gonna bring in, you know, this person. You know, halfway it's so through good, season though. two, it's perfect. And that's what I mean by like. So, anyways, Diaz, uh, like Miguel, wins the All Valley Karate Tournament by essentially fighting dirty, just like Johnny was doing. Even though, you know, like you mentioned, Eric, like he's kind of a little bit softer in this, and he doesn't want to necessarily take the dirty route because he wants this new kind of, uh, you know, vision of Cobra Kai that can kind of still be to in her his name badass or in his words badass but still kind of uh you know play by the rules but then like you said diaz going to the dark side at that final episode and you know spin kicking robbie in the in the shoulder when his shoulders all fucked up and then um defeating him in the tournament doing anything like any means necessary to win um is this kind of really interesting um you know a vision of seeing you know uh Lawrence's arch nemesis training his son against his protege. And it's just like, it's so stupid, but it works. And it's just like, and at the end of that season, when, you know, he's still not really satisfied because Diaz, you know, had to hurt his son essentially to kind of win. And then you have John Kreese show up in those final moments. And you brought it up perfect, Eric, where you're like, it has this perfect hook of like these 30 to 40 minute episodes with these melodramatic cliffhangers. And that just make you want to watch the next episode. And the way that the title card comes in at the beginning and the the Chrome Cobra Kai logo comes in at the end. I'm like, fuck, I got to watch the next one. I just got to watch it. And then, so when Kreese shows up at the end and you know, it's like the emperor showing up essentially. And you're just like, (laughs) even even the joke, it's like, oh, we thought he died. Right. Like that's the, that is truly Palpatine. It's like, oh, didn't he fall down the shaft? Wasn't Kreese thrown down the shaft? (laughs) Yeah. And then Kreese shows up with a cigar and that's the cliffhanger of season one. And then you just know, like he's going to corrupt, you know, Johnny again. Again in the second season and then um i was just like with that cliffhanger i'm like this show is incredible and i can't wait to watch the second season and then like you said they add in um uh, uh tori's character uh because um samantha uh daniel larusso's daughter starts training again um in karate uh daniel opens miyagi-do uh uh karate studio and they go to mr miyagi's house and open it up in his backyard and things like that and the show to your point too earlier eric where you say they blend in footage from the other movies i think sometimes those moments can be really sweet of how they use pat morita's uh mr miyagi and in in archival footage and even in that first season when he visits his his gravestone i think it's near the end of the first season or is that in the second season Uh, first season um i just thought that was a very sweet moment of like because daniel 
you know, he is, his wife is telling him, you know, you're being a really like kind of a piece of shit in all of this. Like you're like, why are you trying to ruin this guy just for opening up a karate studio? And then like some of the kind of shittier sides of Daniel is coming out in that first season. And he kind of has to, you know, reconnect with the spirit of, uh, of Mr. Miyagi. And it is actually kind of just very, very sweet in the way that they kind of honor him and that character and, and move that into season two of like, okay, we can show them that, you know, sure. It's, it's, it's great to be, you know, uh, do any means necessary to win and, and be a badass, but like, uh, we need to show them the style of Mr. Miyagi's, uh, uh, karate and, and and open up this studio and just yeah, yeah it's all it's, about defense for them mr miyagi and and the offense side is is cobra kai yeah and um the way that it progresses through the second season of like the kids are kind of off in the summer right like it's kind of summer vacation throughout the second season uh you brought up like there's some new actors uh in the second season with paul walter hauser playing uh raymond or stingray <laughs> Um, he's copying like, a page of uh, of of the Hawkman, so which I think is just so funny because he's like in his 30s, but he's joining this karate dojo for um uh for teenagers, <laughs> and like um it's just this perfect kind of mix of these uh, uh, uh odd man out kind of uh, uh nerds and stuff that all come together, and like how that kind of advances with Crease now coming in. And just kind of playing this um, kind of mentor character again to to Johnny, and he says like, "You need me to be here uh, to help train these kids," and just uh, showing that you know Johnny has changed, but Crease has not. Yeah, and and you see that Johnny wants to give Crease a second chance, and there's a really actually a really nice moment right. between them that's a one on one where you learn about you know what's gone on with Crease for the last couple of decades and things like that. And you think, okay, well maybe this is the moment where there's that breakthrough and, and, you know, crease, there'll be more to crease than meets the eye, or at least, you know, some development here that will kind of make him redeemable. And while there is some vulnerability there, it's like, well, he's a guy that just, you know, is set in his ways at this point. And, you know, when we get to the end of season two, um, again, like it, it's so obvious, but it kind of works perfectly for where they leave uh, things off at the end of season two uh, with uh, Crease and and uh, Lawrence's relationship and where that's yeah. going to go. And I think that that's going to be, again, you know, you're going to have the rebels versus the empire in this situation. And that's what I mean. But then even going into the second season and you start to see even more character development and rivalries build from that first season. So I even love the rivalry between Hawk and, um, oh my God, what's the other kid's name? Um, Dimitri. Dimitri, who who they're just, you know their best buddies because Dimitri's like that kind of like you know fast talking kind of guy that is when he's nervous or feels threatened he'll kind of like do the like the jokey thing you know and and talk yes all the time. exactly so uh, Miguel uh, Eli and Dimitri were all kind of the you know the nerdy friend group that all hung out together Eli was the quiet kid Dimitri like you said was the fast talking like. I, I'm intelligent, but I'm also very nerdy. So I, I talk a lot to kind of get over my kind of fears. And then, you know, Miguel's the kind of middleman kind of thing. And just seeing the rivalry 
build between, you know, these former best friends and how, you know, Eli has now become Hawk because, you know, there was that moment in the first season with Johnny just berating him about looking weird for his disfigurement that he's like, you need to do something else to kind of take ownership from it. And then he becomes this totally new. And I think it's just such brilliant, like I said earlier, character development and then having all these kind of misfits that was the word that i was looking for earlier um placed against like uh, their own rivals and how that kind of builds throughout the second season and you have like there's these two like henchmen style characters with eli and then when miyagi do opens you start to see like some of cobra kai who don't want to pull up put up with crease and johnny's bullshit anymore of being berated and you know th- their whole mentality of no we you need to be tough uh uh, everyone's too soft nowadays. We need to kind of make you tough by, you know, this tough love kind of uh, teaching that Cobra Kai does. So you see a whole group of them kind of defect and go over to Miyagi Do because another plot line is uh, Daniel's having trouble convincing people to come to Miyagi Do karate, even though he's offering free classes. And um, yeah, because a lot of people see it as slave labor with the the techniques and the skills that he's yes. kind of try to sort of embed in these characters. But what I also love about the, you know, Miyagi Do and, and, and Dimitri specifically is it also teaches Daniel that not everybody learns at the same pace and that yes. you have to be patient with each individual, you know, each student to, is different. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think Daniel has to learn from Dimitri is that Dimitri, you know, like, again, at first you think it's just going to be the joke that Dimitri is going to always be the guy that kind of like fails and like never yeah. really gets into it. But he's finding his own path as he goes along. And Daniel, you know, is, is learning that as well is that, you know, the way that he learned it isn't going to be the same way that his daughter learned it in the way that Robbie learns it, in the way that everybody else is going to teach it. So in terms of, again, a one-on-one scenario, you know, there's some depth there and, and development that is interesting and feels a little bit more um, richer than something like this would normally go for. Exactly. And all of it pays off so well. Like, I feel like anything that they set up with these characters and whether it's as simple as like introducing the other young, uh, young woman character with Tori, like you mentioned that, you know, is just, she's being introduced. So, you know, Samantha has someone to show showdown with, but it's so perfect. And the melodrama there of this love triangle now becoming this like four dual couples like intertwined kind of thing like typical high school kind of romance bullshit stuff where emotions are at you know 150 but the show actually lets people take that 150 emotion and you know use karate with it right and like and it's so it's that perfect kind of predictable but still like holy crap this is exciting or surprising and where the things go and i'm always just constantly impressed with that like each thing that they set up had a satisfying payoff by the end or a satisfying showdown and like um i don't know I, i was just really taken aback by it and even sweet moments of like bringing back johnny's uh crew of high school friends right like from the first movie that we all knew that all bullied you know daniel and like he a funny thing about the show is they recontextualize the movies from johnny's perspective and he's like no man this girl this guy just came in and like stole my girlfriend and he was an asshole to me yeah ali elizabeth shoes character and like um 
he's like, this guy came in, started hitting on my, my girl, like started like doing all this shit to me for no reason. Like re like I thought but that in was that all scene what you're talking about when they, so one of the characters is, is, is really sick out of his crew, yeah. uh, terminally ill. And they go, you know, for like one last ride, they go to a bar and they're, and they're talking about that. And then like, it comes up as like, Oh, like, you know, the last time I got in shit with Allie was when, you know, I got totally drunk with you guys and kind of like forgot about her birthday completely. And then it's like, Oh, she dumped me. And then he's starting to be like, that's why we broke up. Not because of LaRusso. LaRusso, Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean by like, there's weirdly these emotional payoffs and like, and, and taking elements from the, that first film, mostly the first film. There are references to the beginning of the second film, as well as like a little Easter egg with the, um, the, uh, Japanese kind of toy that they use in the second film. Yeah. They don't really touch on much from the third film. They do kind of a little bit because Cobra Kai was banned from the All Valley <laughs> Karate Tournament because of what's his name, <laughs> like the toxic waste dude. Um, but then it's like leads into this um, finale in, in kind of season two that like uh, keeps building and building because, like you said, there's this Romeo and Juliet relationship between um lawrence's son robbie and and samantha and and robbie's actually living at the larusso residence and like with him because uh, but then samantha still has feelings for miguel and tori's involved yeah tori and and miguel are are a couple and again it's interesting again it's, it's almost like the pitch was for season two what happens if uh you know we had you know uh, Johnny and 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 Danny teaching the the opposites, and then on top of that, well, why don't we also do it again? But this time, yeah. the rivalry is the romance. So you know, Tori probably you know in in a real world setting would be with Robbie, and then Samantha would be yes. with Miguel, right? So let's just yeah. do that again. <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good, and it works so perfectly. And I l- just love, like I said before, of um, there are these really actual actually cool moments where LaRusso and Lawrence have to, you know, get together, whether it's for, um, you know, because their kids are kind of intertwined with one another and, and stuff like that. Like they get drunk together at a bar once and they kind of, kind of connect and like, but then when LaRusso finds out that he's working with crease again is when they're, he's like, how could you kind of involve this guy in your life? Crease literally tried to kill me. (laughs) Right. Um, and and stuff like that. And I just feel like And then that happens again in season two when they go on a double date, Miguel's mom and and Johnny and an uh, accident. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that's also fun as well because there's a moment of bonding there where like, you know, when um you know the dates are gone, they're kind of having this conversation and he tells them that now now Crease is gone and that Cobra Kai, the whole thing with this new version of Cobra Kai is he doesn't want to be what it was in the eighties. He doesn't and want then, Kreese's version of Cobra Yeah. Kai, and then, yeah. and then you see, you know, Danny kind of have that moment of like, okay, like maybe he is, he is changing, changing and, yeah. or trying at least, you know? Yeah. And there is a sweet moment. Like we didn't touch on that. Um, Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. Is, is asked, uh, Miguel's mom out on a date. Uh, I like the, I love that eighties music video thing with the white yeah. snake songs being yeah. cut together, which oh, is just ridiculous. And again, like it's so, per- yeah. it's so perfect because like, it, it seems like it's such an easy thing to do where it's like, again, the guy who's just kind of like out of his element and out of 
you know, touch with the world around him. And it kind of feels like very sitcom-y almost like what happens if we, you know, if, if, if Johnny had a dating app, what would, what would happen? He's but stuck it, in the eighties essentially. And he doesn't yeah. know computers or he's still kind of misogynistic and stuff and like, like that. And yeah, yeah, like he still says things that are not PC and stuff no. like that, which are like, you shouldn't be laughing at, but the way that he, the way Zapka delivers them of like, whenever he says hot babes or like, <laughs> or, or just like sick share, after yeah. Ali had my share of plenty of hot babes. <laughs> yeah. Like just the way he delivers some of that stuff or says something that's not quite PC or he goes like, uh, he keeps talking about his smartphone and like things like that. Cause it's brand new to him and like, or how do you get on the internet? Like, it's just so s- simple. Like you said, like it's so obvious, Yeah, but it's just the way that he delivers for it, that character and, too. It yeah. works perfectly. And, and, and Zach is so good in this show. Like he is, it feels like this is like, I'm surprised he hasn't done more since the eighties because like, same. it feels like, a character yeah. actor like he feels like you mentioned like he's probably the most natural here but also like he knows the character so well and you see that growth kind of happening as the series goes on and just the idea of him you know adapting to the real real world i think is is interesting because he even though says some things that are you know as you mentioned not pc he's not mean he's not nasty in the way that like i think no he says it like it's not a big deal no. and like it's so it's not someone who's trying to be like malicious in anything. It's just someone who needs to be taught that you can't really say those things anymore. Yeah. Like he's never says it in a way where like, I mean, certain things like making fun of, you know, Eli uh, uh, at the beginning with his disfigurement and stuff like that. There are times where he is crossing a line, but I think that also goes back to how he was taught to teach, you know, at Cobra Kai from crease and things like that. But yeah, like you said, throughout it, these things that he says, he, ne- he says it in such a weirdly lovable way that you're, you're like oh, okay you kind of give him a pass for it until someone kind of you te- want to teach him to yeah. do better like you want to be like yeah i don't think that's how it works anymore or or yeah women can also learn karate like yeah. that kind of thing like you know like it's 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 stuff like that where like if it were john crease saying it it would be different because it would be more as you said malicious like it, he would mean it because he's ignorant but also a cruel doesn't give person. a fuck yeah no. like Exactly. Where Johnny has shown throughout this series that he's kind of open to understanding or learning or growing, which I think is why you let that character get away with saying some of the things that he does, or it just adds for funny moments because he feels very much stuck in the eighties. I want to give a shout out to uh, the music in the show is incredible. It's just like, 80s hair metal <laughs> right and like well and i mean they make the joke that like, miguel like, went down this rabbit hole of listening to kiss and stuff like that and and a lot of the music is from the karate kid soundtrack yeah. they, they keep pulling certain songs for Boy, love shows for, up fuck that song i hate it so much <laughs> um and i love 80s music but like like even the the 80s themed roller arena sequence where yes. like you hear wang chung's dance hall days and you know things like that like that's that's my shit. Like that's, that. that's, oh, the, dude. That, yeah. I, I grew, I grew, I was born in 88 and I grew up in the nineties into the early two thousands, but I always felt that I was somebody that should have been born in like, you know, or grew up in the eighties because like I was always obsessed 
with 80s music and movies specifically. And that's and- why I knew you would love the soundtrack to this. And I just feel like, and the show does do such a good job with those callbacks, like you mentioned. Like that can feel sometimes kind of cheap or just feel like, oh, okay, you're going down that well again just to get that kind of nostalgic kind of feel. Like I know some people had some criticisms in Jurassic World with the sequence where they kind of, you know, find that head things and like movies star wars has done it over and over again but like um just going down and showing someone something that they remember just to go ah remember that moment that was really nice but like this show weirdly involves it in the narrative or kind of makes it like not feel cheap or you just buy into it being cheap to the point where you're like no i'm totally okay with it keep showing me this stuff keep bringing up characters from the other movies or keep having people show up as surprise appearances like you know like elizabeth shu is going to show She's up at some be, point yeah. in season three or season four and like i wouldn't be surprised if it becomes more popular if they were able to get hillary swank because like i mean she already did a netflix show and like i'm sure like one episode would not be you know, a they, lot it's going to happen. Time. I will call it right now that Hillary Swank at one point will show up in this series. Yeah, she's got we, to. We should also talk about. Um, I think the fight choreography and the is, editing yeah. of it is actually really well done. You yeah. understand where all the hits are going. It's allowed to breathe in a way that works. And I think that that final fight sequence in season, in season two, two in the two high school is, is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible, dude. I was yelling at my TV. It's like so. All of, like Eric said, all of the fight sequences I think are really good. They don't do like the, like the taken thing where with quick cutting or the born thing, like the Michael Bay thing, even right. Where it's like every three seconds, you can, you can't really tell what's going on. And you can tell that like everyone in the show is very invested in learning the fight choreography and just kind of learning you know basic karate so they can kind of do this on screen and do longer takes and stuff and i feel like it's always exciting and it always has just this heightened like you said non real world kind of quality where it's just always kind of fun to watch and just seeing people break out into karate fights is just so much fun and then it cult culminates in the final episode of season two where you know emotions are high from everyone cobra kai and miyagi do hate each other cobra kai hawk uh goes and trashes um uh miyagi do uh, and trash the medal of honor yeah which is, so, of honor. which is so stupid but like but that's the thing this the show has to continually yeah. throw a wrench into things because you have to keep LaRusso and Lawrence, and Lawrence at a distance yeah. continually, right? Exactly. So like, and that's why that Hawk character is so great. He becomes like almost the true villain of at least he's the, the heel. Yeah. Yeah. He of the teen characters, right? There's always like, there's the John Kreese, there's the Johnny Lawrence and the, and the Daniel LaRusso and all the adult characters, the stingrays. Um, and, um, and then you have the teen characters and Hawk becomes this kind of like over, like he becomes the main kind of villain of this show. Um, this no mercy kind of like he buys fully into the Cobra Kai mentality, right? Where Miguel always is conflicted. Robbie's always kind of conflicted, right? Samantha to an extent, um, very much on her dad's side, but like all of these characters, you know, I feel like are in that gray area, except for like Hawk goes full on to the dark side. And like, he goes, he's and- so invested in yeah. Crease specifically. Like when Crease kind of hits the scene and starts talking to him, he kind of buys into the, he becomes his completely. protege, right? Yeah. Kind of like his secret kind of protege and buys in. Cause, and I think that's such an interesting thing of taking this kid who really felt like no one, like he just, 
no one paid attention to him. Everyone bullied him. And he finally was getting people to pay attention to him. Now he was getting the chicks. Now he was like, not like he was, everyone was taking him seriously. He was a badass. Tattoos. Like, yeah. Tat- he's got a giant Hawk tattoo on his back. Um, and like, it's just, I think it's so brilliant to make that character, you know, the secret uh, crease protege and the the true villain of the whole thing. And then going and smashing Mr. Miyagi's house and stealing the Medal of Honor and, and having this rivalry even between him and Diaz, but then also with the whole Miyagi-Do um, kind of dojo. And like that kind of culminates to this final episode because you also have that love triangle, which then becomes this uh, dueling relationships between Robbie and Samantha and Diaz and Tori um, and kind of, you know, that classic high school thing of making your ex jealous, but also still caring about your ex and kind of things like that. And then it, it breaks out into this fight on the first day of school um, so there's this party to Bananarama's Cruel Summer. Oh, uh, God, in the opening so scene. <laughs> um, but uh, there was this party the night before where Samantha gets too drunk and she has to go again, throwing a wrench into the the day after, you know, Daniel and Johnny have this great double date kind of thing and seem like they're on good terms. And then his daughter ends up getting too drunk and, and Robbie takes her to Johnny's house and Daniel's upset about that um, kind of thing. And then that kind of goes and, and into- to, to be fair, Johnny did nothing wrong. Like that's no, the thing that nothing. bothered me Daniel, the most. Again, Daniel is kind of in the wrong again, right? Yeah. Like, and, and that's Daniel's what the also show- in the wrong with Robbie at times, not for taking him under his wing, but anytime that kind of like Robbie, not, not always. I mean, Robbie isn't always forthcoming with Daniel, but when Robbie kind of makes a mistake as teenagers do, it's almost like Daniel's like, Oh, I, I, I got to wash my hands clean of this kid right away. Like I, I should have known better. Like he, he jumps the gun so quickly. Yeah. And I think that's what the show does such a good job at doing of keeping you kind of, you know, in that middle ground between those two characters and make you care about both sides. Right. And like, uh, Daniel makes mistakes and he's not perfect. Like he was shown in, in those first movies and like, um, where he was just the hero and all three of them. Right. And I just feel like there is that weird gray area, which the show is so, uh, good at putting you in and, and caring about both everyone on the Cobra Kai side of things and everyone on the Miyagi Do side of things. So ultimately it gets to this fight at the school. So, Tori finds out about Samantha kissing Miguel. This sounds so stupid. It sounds like like Degrassi stuff, but right. like we're saved um, by the bell. <laughs> yeah, we're saved by the bell. But the show does such a good job of in, you being invested in these characters. Um, where she's so upset about this because she already kind of has a rivalry with Samantha because of you know uh, going to the country club and and um, accusing her of stealing and things like that. There's all these weird side plots. I want to also give a shout out to. Um, Samantha's um friend too that the character development on her character um yes uh I want to get her name right uh Nicole Brown it's Aisha right yeah um um so uh Aisha's character is like Samantha's childhood friend who then is a bully because she's a, a bit bigger and and she's fat shamed a lot at school and Samantha at the beginning of the show we didn't touch on is like part of the cool kids and I think that's She's grown out of being the nerdy kid yeah. and now has become a part of the in crowd. Yes. And that's such a cool juxtaposition with Daniel as well, right? Because at, when we're framed at the beginning of the show, they're both kind of the bad guys, right? Like they're he's kind of 
being a bully with his money and they're the rich kids and like Daniel's the rich guy now and he's using his money to kind of, you know, beat down on, on, on Johnny and then Samantha uses influence and stuff like that. Yeah. And Samantha's left her best childhood friend because she just wants to be accepted by these cool kids. So seeing, you know, her finally come around as well to understand that, those kids were assholes and she shouldn't be that way. But then having her best friend, well, she was shitty though then, to, to Aisha as well. That's what like, I mean. That's, the thing, you know? well, that's what I mean. She was shitty yeah. to Aisha, but then seeing Aisha then go to Cobra Kai to, you know, earn the respect from everyone and, and, and basically turn on her, her friend to learn, you know, how to stick up for herself and stuff is so interesting as well. Give lethal wedgies. And, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That looked, hella painful but anyway sorry tori comes to the school at, on the first day of school goes on the announce the morning announcements it looks like and yeah. just uh calls out samantha being like you bitch like it, it's so stupid but like and then they meet and i love every time a fight is about to happen in this show because it cuts to that camera that's like the mortal Kombat or street fighter like angle where like or the karate tournament angle where they're just on each side of the frame looking at each other other and you almost could see like fight pop up in the middle like it's a video game or whatever and then basically tori attacks samantha and eric alluded to it earlier there is like a 10 to 15 minute long fight sequence at this school (laughs) and it is one of the greatest things i have ever seen in my entire life and i tweeted this out i i mean you probably if you follow me on twitter you saw me tweet all last week about cobra kai and cobra kai specifically that when i tweeted the second season finale of cobra kai is one of the greatest achievements in human history and i was just like i shit you not i was just watching this i'm like this is one of the the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And there's this 15 minute, like there's a hall fight sequence that shot in one take, or it looks like it's shot in one take. There might've been some tricks or whatever, but like where it's everything I mentioned earlier in the hour we've been talking where they pair up each character, like these two characters perfectly where it's like their arch nemesis in them fight off in this giant long take fight sequence. So it starts with Tori and Samantha, and then you get, uh, Miguel and Robbie, and then you get Hawk and El- uh, uh, and Dimitri, Dimitri. Yeah. Um, which is a great payoff to all of Dimitri's training, um, much like the payoff of of Eli becoming Hawk. Um, you have the two nerdy kids who look like they're ten years old, like fighting off. Um, you have like the two bully kids that were with Hawk, where one of them defected over to Miyagi Do, um, square off because they used to be buddies, and now they're like fighting each other, and then. Uh, uh, you have Stingray, who's just randomly at the school. <laughs> he literally he, like is throwing people into the lockers inside. Like thirty-five-year-old man or whatever, like this thirty-three-year-old man. They're just allowing to just like spin kick kids and like and stuff. And it's I just, love when he's at the party too the night before, where he has the drinks. Oh, Edward uh, Edward Forty Hands, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, where did he get the duct tape for that? <laughs> well, his girlfriend, like, he shows up and he, she's like, "I thought you brought us to your like friend's house." He's like, "Yeah, their their mom's out of town or whatever." And he's like this 30 year old man at this high school party. And it's so oh, shit the cops and he's trying to get yeah. out with 
It's so Paul Walter Hauser and it is fantastic um, in the second season. And just like this fight scene and some of the choreography to your point earlier too, Eric is just like, it's so fun to watch. And, and it's just so insane that you can't help, but thinking it's the coolest thing ever. And like, it is uh, truly the fast and the furious moments of this series. Like this is like when, when I was watching this, it was like, yeah, I could see this exact same fight happening with Dom Toretto and his crew against whoever the villain is of that movie, you know? Like that's how it plays out to to the point of the dramatic conclusion of that fight. Yes. So uh, essentially this fight sequence happens, you have all the payoffs and it goes on for so long, like the perfect amount because it it doesn't feel tiring. That's the thing about this fight sequence is that usually like even in the best stuff, you're kind of like, okay, like I've had fun with it, but I'm kind of now excited to take a break or move on to the next scene. But through the whole thing, you're like, oh my God, like what are they going to do next? And And then I think that goes back to those character moments, right? They did such a good job with the character beats and the emotional beats in in the series that like it does a great job of cutting between the two, like each fight that's happening and then cutting back. And then the way that the fight moves throughout the school where it starts in like the hallways by the locker, but then goes into the main hall and goes downstairs and upstairs. Like it's on all different aspects of the school, how this, uh, Dimitri goes to get a teacher and then they show up and one of the kids whoops the teacher's ass right away. And the other teacher's like, fuck this. I don't get paid enough for this shit. And they just, which is a commentary on, on the, the, the teacher system. Yeah, I agree, man. And, and like, and they kind of just let these kids go wild and just fight each other for like half an hour. It seems like, and it's just got such a wonderful pacing to it. And then it culminates in, you know, it escalation, escalation, escalation. Uh, uh, Diaz has Robbie kind of, uh, you know, beat and then um, essentially gives mercy to him. And which shows you again, Miguel, there's, there's like, Miguel is still that good kid inside and he's starting to really grow up. Like even him giving back the medal to Robbie and like Robbie kind of like sure about that and not, you know, saying like, Oh, Miguel gave it because he was insecure that, you know, that would make Samantha, you know, like him a little bit more and give him brownie points. But that, like that is fascinating to watch too. Cause then in that moment you're like, fuck Robbie, like you asshole. <laughs> yeah. And then Robbie, yeah. Gets up and, and basically boots him over the ledge of the, like the stairs of the school and, and, and Diaz falls and, and onto the guard, like the railing. And yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like, it's silly, but then it ends up being very like tragic and, and sad. And like you said, uh, the show does a good job with these emotional beats and you really care about, you know, Johnny's relationship with both his son and, and Miguel has basically, you know, adopted well, also Miguel's mom now too. Yeah. Right. Like you're rooting weirdly for them because it's this sweet romance that's happening. And then this occurs and it's like, Oh God, like this is really going to cause a lot of problems for the next season. So he seriously injures Miguel um, to the point where like, it looks like Miguel's put on like almost like life support. Like he's in a coma. We say the next 24 hours is the most critical and whether or not like he'll be able to walk again. Right. Cause yeah. And that's some of that melodrama that it's like, and then it, it, the, the show grounds you right away in those emotional uh, character moments where, you know, you have this silly, but exciting fight sequence for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of this episode that ends on this really kind of tragic, you know, heartbreaking kind of thing. And you can tell in that moment, by the way, Samantha reacts and how the fighting just stops after that. Right. Because it's all like, 
as, as serious as, you know, everyone's punching and kicking and using karate moves. Like it's no one ever wanted to like seriously hurt someone as weird as that is to say, because the fight sequence, obviously people probably would have been hurt in some of the things, but in this world, you're not hurt by normal karate moves. You're just kind of, you can, you can brush that off. Yeah. Yeah. But then everyone just stops in their tracks when someone is actually hurt and then, um, yeah, you see the payoff of that of like Johnny, um, Robbie, what did you do? <laughs> oh yeah. Like, and just, and Robbie having to flee because, um, who knows what the hell that's going to happen. And you have, uh, Daniel and, and, uh, and his wife go to the hospital where Samantha had to get stitches and stuff because Tori used her like spiky bracelet to cut her <laughs> stuff and like, and Street rules. It's so over the top, and there is an over the top reference um, in the show. Yeah, they go to watch it. Yeah, yeah. um, It's one of their like required viewings from Johnny. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which makes that's the other thing I love about Johnny. Johnny has this weird obsession with Iron Eagle, uh, the the Lou Gossett Jr. movie from the eighties, which is just basically a ripoff of Top Gun, and it's just amazing that like that's like the movie he's obsessed with. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So at the end of the second season, Amanda, Daniel's wife, tells him, like, this is out of control. Like, you really need to stop. Like, karate's done. Like, you got to stop. This is too much. Like, our daughter's in the hospital. Her ex-boyfriend is uh, almost dead. Your protege protege is now on the run, probably, from the police, I'm assuming. And, like, this is- That's when you cut to Will Ferrell being, like, that escalated quickly. Yeah. (laughs) And then you have Johnny who, uh, you know, is, um, basically, uh, turning to the drink again. He's at the beach cruel, a a sad version of cruel summer's plan. And he's just, uh, uh, guilt ridden, uh, because of what happened to Diaz and, and he throws his phone in the sand. And then we see that, uh, Allie, uh, accepted his friend request on facebook right. and that's like and, he, the- and he abandons his his cobra kai car and that scene to me almost plays out like spider-man 2 when when uh peter throws away his outfit yeah. and he's like i'm spider-man no more where yeah. i was oh, waiting for like- to mention too that crease overtakes cobra kai for some reason we talked a little bit about yeah. that like where it was going with now he two. like now he just like owns Cobra Kai again. Yeah. He's just like, and, I, and Johnny's like, I'm Cobra Kai no more. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. And then that's the end of season two. And, um, I am all in, I love everything about this. Like you said, the fight choreography, the music, weirdly, the character moments are, are emotional and feel earned. And like the development from these guys, I'm always like surprised at like a certain character finally, you know, training enough to get, to where they need to go and fight off against their rival. And like, it's so melodramatic and over the top and it just shouldn't work when you think about it on paper, but it has all of the ingredients that it just makes for highly addictive and highly enjoyable television. And it's like, it's, it was the perfect thing I needed last week where I was just like having a stressful week, but I knew Cobra Kai was there and I knew for those couple hours I'd keep watching it and I wouldn't think of anything else and I would just be having a fucking blast. You knew Zabka had your back. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was so fun. And I just like, I'm all in. It's one of my favorite TV shows I've seen in a long time. Um, I'm like... It, this feels like what, what Fast Five was to me for the Fast franchise, where um, a I reinvention see, of the series. Yeah, where I just like I enjoyed, you know, the first Fast and the Furious 
after the second movie, I'm like, I probably don't need any more of these. Um, and then the third one happens and you're like, okay, this is, there's some things in here that are kind of cool, but the movie's not very good. Uh, and then four, you're like, oh, they're bringing them back. And then five, you're like, holy fuck, this is awesome. They I'm turned all- it into a heist series with cars. And this uh, does, I think, the same thing that Fast Five did for the Fast franchise, where it's just like, I enjoy the first movie. Um, the second and third one, I can you know go either way on. There's some elements there that I think are kind of fun. Uh, and then this series made me go, Oh my God, I kind of, I just watched them, but after season three, I'm like, I could just go back and watch all three Karate Kid movies again. Cause I'll be like, I'll, I just, after I think next season, I, I regrettably watched the trailer for season three, um, uh, a couple days ago. And I'm like, fuck, I wish I didn't watch that. Cause it like reveals some cameos and different things that are happening. And I'm I like, haven't watched it. So. Um, I would just wait. Cause I, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty soon, but um, I'm like totally invested in this universe. I'm totally invested in these characters. Every time like you saw Johnny and Daniel f- start to become buddies, I'm like, I just want them to be friends. And that's where I think it's leading where they will have to team up to take down crease or, or whoever, like they might bring in what's his nuclear name? waste guy. <laughs> yeah. What is his name again? I forget. It's like um, karate kid three. I'll look it up. But uh, I don't know about you, man, but like, I know you're, you're kind of all in right now too. Yeah. I, I think it's addictive television and also just, it's, I think for a certain generation and for people that like those movies, they'll. (laughs) (laughs) What's Thomas Ian, what's Thomas Ian Griffith up to? He is 58 years old. What's the last thing he was in? Um, oh my God, I just saw something. Oh my God. No, no spoiler. Oh, uh, never mind. Erase this. Damn it. Um, um but yeah, I, don't I, I just think Wikipedia it's a page. I, I think it's just highly entertaining and just a lot of fun. And it's one of those series where like, there is some stuff in there that is, you know, rich to enjoy and like get in terms of like, uh, you know, satisfying payoff to, characters storylines development and things like that but it's also a show that you can just easily throw on and just kind of zone out to you know yeah yeah i feel like there is some depth there if you really want it even though it's silly uh, on on paper but it is one I, i agree but like i found i never found myself wanting to pick up my phone or anything or watch it in the background like i actually was captivated by all of it and sat there and then time flew by too like i'd watch seven episodes and i'd be like oh my god i've been watching this for you know two and a half hours or something like that and it's really like a breezy watch like each season is maybe four hours total like each season maybe because each episode uh is about a half an hour and um it's about I, eight episodes right yeah eight eight episodes or ten episodes i forget um but it is uh so much fun. Ten episodes per season. Um, season three. Well, it didn't feel like ten. It felt no. like less than that. I wanted more, dude. But um, I'm pretty pumped for the third season. Uh, it says January eighth. It should be releasing on Netflix. So it's moved from YouTube to Netflix, and it got renewed for a third and fourth season. So the third season. Uh, is coming out on Netflix in January and then it just got renewed for a fourth season and I just cannot wait. I'm like, I, I emailed to get screeners for us. Cause I'm like, we got it. Like we just got to watch this as soon as possible to review it. And, and I'm all in on this. And like, 
Uh, I just have a feeling they are going to go that route of Fast and Furious. I keep guys, it, it'll make sense. I mean, you if you're listening to this, you've probably watched it, and you're probably like, yeah, they're right. And it's just like I feel like they know what they're doing here in the sense of like bring every character back because when someone shows up, you're even the dumbest, smallest character from the movie you don't even care about. You're going to be like, hell yeah. Like Hillary Swank will show up at one point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tie it in and Jaden Smith or Jackie Chan shows up at one point. Um, Oh, that would be good. (laughs) Like, I just wouldn't even be surprised by that because like, like I, I, I think it would be incredible, but um, I cannot wait to see what happens. And I just think, if it keeps escalating the way that it is, like they're going to get to the Fast and Furious point where like the government needs to use karate to like stop. Like we're going to need these karate kids to like yeah. go into like another country and like you know pull off this amazing heist or something like that, or they'll they'll go to they'll go to space karate in space. <laughs> I am I'm all here for it. So and I love that Netflix picked it up. Like I think that shows a lot of faith. It's Sony who produces it, so they could have went anywhere, um, but. I'm so glad that when YouTube premium like originals failed, that this didn't fail with it. Like it seemed like it is the one thing that was on YouTube that people really wanted to see continue. And I'm glad that it is. And um, I couldn't be more excited about, you know, how silly this show is and, and, um, and what's going to happen next. So it's a good time. And and I do think it is now starting to catch on a little bit because of the Netflix thing. And I think more people are going to watch it. And it, it seems like people like once they see it kind of are starting to enjoy it. So I could only imagine like, you know, in the next year or so, like with it being on Netflix now and, you know, somebody looking for something that's kind of like a, an easy, fun watch will be like, oh, my, I'll, you know, I'll throw on this and see what it's like and maybe watch one episode. And then, you know, they throw it on and eight episodes later, they're like, I got to keep going. You know, yeah, like that's-, that's how I felt like. Um, I don't know if we're going to give a rating on this, but I'd give it five out of five because I think it's incredible. <laughs> I'll give it a four out of five and uh, a, 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 a headbutt. Yes. Um, we will be back to review season three of Cobra Kai. We'll do a uh, a normal review for season three. We won't do a big spoiler cast or maybe we will. I don't know. Um, but I, I do want everyone to have a chance. We might do both. We might do a regular review and then lead into um, – a spoiler review um later but um i cannot wait january 8th season three um i hope you guys are as excited as as we are um i never knew karate kid and cobra kai would be my thing going into 2021 but here we are this year (laughs) this year has brought lots of surprises and uh cobra kai was one of those things that i just thought was going to be this cheap kind of oh that's cute that's funny they brought back the people from karate kid and i had no idea the production value like at times i'm like the production value on the show is really good and like it doesn't feel totally cheap and like it has a filmic quality to it at times and um and I don't know, I just, uh, with the music and the score and the, and the licensed music and everything. And I'm just, I'm all in Cobra Kai never dies, baby. Uh, it's the power of love. So we'll be back. Uh, I know when the embargo breaks for season three, if we can get screeners, you'll hear about it very soon. I will tell you that because I'm sure Eric and I will sit down and watch it in one day. 
So, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you like this, we got uh, lots of other shows for you guys to check out. Untitled Movie Podcast, our 80th draft we cover for two and a half hours, the Disney Investor Day and all the uh, announcements out of that. Uh, on Untitled Movie Conversations, go check out our episode with Nick Scarpino. Uh, I want to shout out to Nick for actually being the one I, I heard constantly talk about Cobra Kai for the last couple of years. Um, and we all kind of were like, ah, oh, yeah, Nick likes Karate Kid. That's fun. Um, and uh, <laughs> and you're like, all right, that's cool. I'm glad you're enjoying it. And then now we're like, he was right. He was right all along. Um, so go check out our conversation with Nick. We touch on other 80s movies and, and fun stuff like that. Uh, Joey Noel, uh, Joey Madison over on Untitled Movie Conversations, our newest interviews. Uh, go check those out. Uh, and we have tons of other reviews. Uh, most recently, uh, we just covered uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which you guys can check out. Uh, Palm Springs just came out in Canada. Uh, you should guys go see our review or listen to our review of that. It's excellent. Uh, nice, uh, pleasant surprise as well. And another round is available in uh, Canada now as well. The Mads Mikkelsen and Thomas Vinterberg uh, re-team. So we reviewed that at TIFF if you want to go back and see that review as well. Uh, very, very good as well. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, please go drop a review if you have a chance for that trilogy of podcasts, as well as follow us on all those social medias at untitled underscore cast. Uh, as always, my name uh, is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the interweb, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And I'm on the social medias at EM6211. And until next time, strike first, strike hard, no mercy.